Seven-year-olds are usually full of a lot of different dreams and a lot of different aspirations. The many of them are starting to look at sports and they're starting to look at becoming that star athlete that they've always dreamed of being about. Or perhaps they've started looking at a profession or a career that even at that young age, they're already starting to look and say, maybe I'll do this or maybe I'll do that. And maybe they've got all sorts of different dreams, all sorts of different hopes for the future. But I remember that mine was a little bit different. I remember I was always excited to go to church on Sunday for a variety of reasons, but one of those was because I got to watch someone play the pipe organ in the back of the church. And in particular, I was excited because I wanted to do that myself one day. And so at that young age of seven, I started to set out and do the work of approaching that dream. That I started to practice the organ, on, that I started to practice piano first on a daily basis, and then eventually when I was 13, I started to practice the organ as well. And I remember very well that day that came when I finally started to play for Mass for the first time, that I was eager with anticipation approaching that day, but I remember sitting down at the bench and all of a sudden being petrified because I realized that that dream had all of a sudden come to a crucial point. And indeed, I still played. I took that leap of faith anyway. Even though I was scared and I was terrified of making a mistake, I saw that I needed to have faith in that moment. And indeed, that faith paved the way for many, many more masses to come, where I was still able to fulfill that dream, and I was able to play the organ for quite some time. And we hear that word faith so often, and it seems like something that's ethereal, something that's very ghost-like, or something that's very difficult to understand. Or maybe we even think about the ways that we can grow in faith and maybe grow in a small way. But how do we know that we've truly grown in faith? How do we know when we've worked up the courage to take a leap of faith? That really is a question that we might be able to answer, especially as we encounter the readings in the Gospel this morning. We start off with this story from the book of Exodus. Now we know the story of the book of Exodus in a large way, or at least in a general way, because it's the story of the Israelites being released from captivity to the Egyptians. And so we know that story, and we know that we've already passed that point where the Israelites have been released from slavery to Egypt, but they're starting to come into some logistic problems, that they're starting to find that they are without some certain provisions, or they're even starting to run out of water. And so what do they do? Well, they start to grumble against Moses. They start to grumble even against the Lord himself because they realize that they're without water, and so they start to become very angry and very hostile. And we know that it's a great hostility because we look at Moses and he's saying, what am I to do with these people? A little more and they will stone me. That he's already starting to live out of fear of the people because they've grown so hostile towards him. And so the Lord gives him an answer. He gives him a reply. And he tells him to go out in front of the people and take the staff in hand that he struck the river with. And he takes that staff and he strikes a rock and then all of a sudden water comes forth from that rock. And so this is where the people finally get a source of water to drink. And indeed, we see that that might be a moment of success, or we might think that it's a good moment for the Israelite people. And in some way it is, but it's also a failure. Because we notice there, that place is named Meribah and Massa. It's that place that is named that because it shows a place where the people decided to test the Lord and say, is the Lord in our midst or not? And consider this. It's that very same Lord that brought them out of slavery to Egypt. It's the very same one that's led them in the desert for so many days and so many weeks. It's that very same God that's worked wonders and worked so many different miracles in their midst. 
And yet they're still asking the question, is God in our midst or not? Because truly they would have had to consider that God would have given them provision if they had but had faith, but they failed at that crucial moment. So Moses has to provide for them because they're so angry and because they're so hard of heart. And indeed, we hear that question in that sort of statement in the responsorial psalm. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Don't be like the Israelites. Don't have your hearts hardened or don't grow lax in faith, even in the difficulties in life. We also move on and we hear from St. Paul in his letter to the Romans, and we're reminded about the Lord's presence, and even we're given a sort of perspective on the Lord's crucifixion, even at this early moment. And so we're told about how we're justified in Christ Jesus, the fact that he is the one that provides for us this ability to approach the kingdom of heaven, yet again, even after the fall. And indeed, because of this, we're given this moment of hope, and we're told by St. Paul that hope does not disappoint. That in fact, Jesus Christ himself does not disappoint us if we but live in that gift of faith. But what's more, this gift of Jesus Christ, this gift of justification, even this gift of hope, it gives us something more. It gives us a perspective on how much our Lord loves us. That it, does, it isn't that the Lord died for us whenever we didn't need it, or even in a moment when it looked like we particularly deserved it. But in fact, he still died for us even in the midst of our utter depravity. Because he died for us even while we were sinning, while we were struggling, while we were in the midst of weakness. It is there that the Lord still dies for us. That it might be easy to die for one that seems like they might deserve it, but how, much, how about a people that seems like they don't? How about a people that seems like they're ungrateful? How about a people that is still struggling? And indeed, that bears testimony to how much the Lord loves each and every one of us. That even in the moments when we still struggle with sin, that the Lord is still will, willing and he wants to die for us and to die for our sins, to give us that possible shot at salvation. And indeed, the Lord still loves us that much. And that's what St. Paul reminds us in the letter to the Romans. Then we finally get to this gospel according to John, and it's a rather lengthy passage, and yet it's an important and crucial one as we celebrate this season of Lent, because it is that story of the Samaritan woman and the woman at the well. And so we hear this encounter that Jesus goes to the well that Jacob dug, and he, sat, and he sits there, and it's about the noon hour. And at this unusual noon hour, this woman approaches to draw water. And this is an important point because it shows that this woman is afraid to approach the well at any other time during the heat of the day. That the noon hour was the one hour that you would not go to draw water because it was the most cumbersome, it was the most inconvenient, and yet she approaches at that time. And so it tells us that she must be living in shame, that she in fact feels that she is not worthy to draw water at any other point. And yet she approaches and finds Jesus there. And Jesus asks this question of her, give me water to drink. And this might seem like an odd question, and yet it's one that's important, because in some small way, Jesus is asking this woman, show me your faith. Show me how deep you have trust in the Lord. And this woman, at first, she doesn't quite understand because she's thinking in terms of a temporal need. She's thinking in terms of water because that's what she has approached this well to search for. And so she tells the Lord, this is rather unusual, this is odd, because a Jew would never ask a Samaritan for water. That in fact, the Jews often pushed the Samaritans away and held them even further out because they didn't hold them in high esteem at all. And so this woman thinks it's rather odd. 
And so then Jesus continues this dialogue in this conversation, and he tells her, if you knew who was, telling, who was asking you for a drink of water, you would know who he was. And so he starts this dialogue, and he starts to reveal something more powerful, that even the fact that he is the source of living water, the one who drinks of this water will never thirst again. And the woman all of a sudden is intrigued because she has to continually do this. She's very aware of the fact that she has to approach this well time and time again, that even as she approaches this time, she knows she's going to have to come back tomorrow and the next day and the next day and continuing on and so on after that. And so she's aware, but she's intrigued. She says, sir, give me this water that I may not have to draw water again or I may not have to thirst again. So Jesus continues, and he tells her to go and to do all of these things, and he tells her to go and call your husband, indeed telling her that he knows who she is, because he all of a sudden starts to tell her her life's history. But nonetheless, he starts this dialogue, and he starts this beautiful testimony of faith, telling her about how the one who is to come, how the Messiah is there, and even the Messiah is in her midst, that she is in the presence of the Messiah. And so notice what happened. This woman came for a simple drink of water. She came to fulfill this certain temporal need. And all of a sudden, this dialogue of faith occurs, and she finds that she's being given something that's so much more satisfying and so much more fulfilling than what she could have ever bargained for. And she's so filled that we notice that she goes forward back into the town, and she tells all of the townspeople that are in earshot about what has happened and who she has encountered. And her testimony is so powerful that notice everyone goes out of the town to go and find this man because they're so intrigued by what she has said. That it's not just simply some sort of figure. It's not just another man, but they are so curious as to who she has encountered that, she want, that they want to go out and meet him themselves. And this encounter goes so well that they tell the woman at the end of this gospel that we came and we started to believe because of your testimony, but now we no longer need that because we believe because we have seen the testimony ourselves and we have come to encounter the Christ. And indeed, that's a beautiful moment to realize that they have all been brought into a relationship because of this woman and because of her testimony. But nonetheless, they've entered into that relationship with the Christ. And it's a powerful moment because we see that the testimony of that woman enabled them to approach the Lord in a beautiful and profound way. But notice, this woman had that ability to make that leap of faith at the very beginning that she might have approached that well at the very beginning and thought to herself that she was just going to approach and get water and she was going to have to do the same thing time and time and time again. And yet there's something much more powerful here because in fact she encounters the Lord, that source of living water. And indeed, because of that, she's truly satisfied. But the question should remain in our hearts and it should be asked of each and every one of us. That this woman approached the well that day, she had so many different desires, she had so many unfulfilled things in her heart, and yet when she approached the Lord, she found the fulfillment of every desire, every source of every need that she has ever wanted, and indeed she approached, and she was truly satisfied. But what are the desires on your heart right now? Where do you need fulfillment? Where do you need that source of living water? Where do you need the Lord to come to you individually? 
Because I dare say so many of us have some sort of need. We have some sort of desire that is on our hearts and our souls. And so much so that sometimes we try to plug the wrong things in. We start to try to fulfill it in different ways. And so we start to go to these different wells. Maybe it's vice. Maybe it's sin. Maybe it's just weakness. Maybe it's so many different other things. And we try to fill those things and those deepest longings in our heart. And we try to fill it with all of these different things that fall away and they leave us empty. That we continue to go back to these wells time and time again because we feel like we can't get full. And yet the Lord reminds us of something else. And even this woman, she tells us of something fundamental because she approaches with faith even though she may not realize it. That she approaches this well and she approaches and she finds the Lord there. And the Lord wants to fulfill her every longing and her every desire. And I dare say he wants to fulfill your desires as well. That he wants to fulfill the deepest longings on your heart. That he wants to fill your heart and your soul up to overabundance. But we have to be willing to let the Lord do that. That we have to be willing to approach that throne of grace and even this well to be able to draw from the living water that the Lord is offering to us. And I dare say that might be a challenge, but it nonetheless requires that gift of faith from each and every one of us. But notice, it's not just for those good times in life as well, but it's also for those moments whenever we feel like we don't know where to turn, or maybe even those moments when we're tempted to despair, or maybe we're tempted to sadness, or tempted to wonder, where is the Lord? Is he in my midst or not? Indeed, those moments, that's where the Lord is. Because we don't need to be like the Israelites, brothers and sisters. We don't need to be like them. We don't need to tempt and to test the Lord. But in fact, we need to approach him with grace and with faith and with that trust that he's going to fill our hearts and our souls with every source of longing and every source and our every desire. But in fact, we have to approach with that faith and that trust. But are we approaching that with trust? Are we approaching with that gift of faith? Are we willing to take that leap of faith into that relationship with our Lord and our God? Because notice, that woman approached with all that she had. She approached with that simple longing, and the Lord filled it so much more abundantly than she could have ever imagined. And indeed, it might be that way with us. Because the Lord doesn't want to leave us floundering. He doesn't want to leave us with these longings and these desires on our hearts, no matter what they might be at this point in time. But he indeed wants to fill us to abundance and indeed fill us to overflowing. But notice, this isn't just for ourselves either. But in fact, it's for testimony and it's for us to take to the world as well. Because the world itself is thirsting for a relationship with God and it's thirsting for a relationship with its Savior. But oftentimes, it doesn't realize that. Oftentimes, those people walking by that simply walk by and go by on Sprig or William Street, they don't realize that they're looking for the Lord. And yet, He is the source of living water. He is the source of their every longing and their every desire. That we know this source. We know the well. We know the source of living water. Why aren't we telling others about it? Because I dare say, my brothers and sisters, once we're filled to overabundance and overflowing, then all of a sudden we're going to be filled with such joy and such exuberance that we're going to want to go and tell everyone about this source because we're going to be filled ourselves and we're going to want to tell others about it because we want to bring them in as well. And notice this woman does just that because she's filled so much so with this joy that she wants to go and tell everyone about it because she wants them to be filled as well. And that's the challenge for each and every one of us. 
Because we recognize our desires, we know the deepest longings of our hearts, and we know how the Lord wants to come and to fill each and every one of those things. But it's up to us to go forward and to fill our hearts and to seek our Lord, yes, but it's also up to us to go forward and tell others about that as well. Because my brothers and sisters, our Lord comes to us and he wants to give us everything that we need, everything that we desire within our heart of hearts. But we have to be willing to take that leap of faith as well. Because much like whenever I played the organ for that first time for that first Mass, I was terrified and I was petrified to take that leap. But nonetheless, I did, and because of that, I was greatly rewarded, not just at that Mass, but every Mass I played after that point. My brothers and sisters, it's much the same with us, that we should be willing to approach that living water and that source of that living water in Jesus Christ himself. Because he wants to fill us up. He wants to give us what we truly desire and what we're longing for. We don't have to settle for all of those things that don't truly fill us up or leave us wanting after a time. We, if we truly seek after the Lord, we're going to find that source of our every longing and our every desire. So that in time we may not only find salvation, but we'll find our ultimate fulfillment in Christ Jesus. So my brothers and sisters, today I ask you, are you willing to take the leap of faith?